interest on debt is prohibited in Islam. In fact, any lending for profit is prohibited. Lending should never be a business and should only be done as an act of charity. The Bible prohibits interest-bearing debt, but unfortunately, over time, Christians decided to ignore its prohibition. The Torah prohibits interest-bearing debt between Jews, but they also decided over time to ignore this prohibition. Here are 10 reasons why it's important for Muslims to remain steadfast in their prohibition of interest-bearing debt, also known as riba. Before I start, my name is Arkan Kayali, founder of Practical Islamic Finance, where we make halal investing and personal finance easier for Muslims. Consider subscribing if these are topics that are of interest to you. Here are 10 reasons why the prohibition of riba or interest on debt or any gains from lending is important for Muslims to uphold. Number one, it's an unfair agreement. Interest-bearing debt agreements place all the risk on the shoulders of the finance and none of it on the shoulders of the financier. The lender is contractually entitled to their money back with interest, regardless of the outcomes that the borrower is able to achieve. This means the lender isn't really investing, they're exploiting. The one-sidedness of these types of agreements make them unconscionable in Islam and therefore illegal. Number two, interest-bearing debt leads to economic inequality. Due to the one-sidedness of lending terms, it's possible for the lender to do well while the borrower is doing poorly. Even in the case of a borrower defaulting on their loan, the lender may end up with collateral that is worth more than what the loan was originally worth, so they end up ahead. At scale and over time, the proliferation of these one-sided agreements leads to income inequality where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Number three, the prohibition of interest-bearing debt helps with social harmony. Interest-bearing debt pits the contracting parties against one another. This is because the well-being of the financier is often at odds with the well-being of the finance, like in the case of valuable collateral. Consequently, the two parties work against each other, motivated by their self-interest. Instead, Islam encourages profit and loss sharing. With these agreements, the only way the financier does well is if the finance is doing well and vice versa. Aligning the well-being of the financier and the finance helps maintain social cohesion and mutual trust. By the way, if you're enjoying this video, leave a like. It helps promote the video so that other people can see it too. Number four, the prohibition of interest-bearing debt helps money be directed to the most promising projects first. With interest-bearing debt, regardless of the quality of the idea, if the financier thinks they'll get their money back, they don't really care how irrational the finance person's use of the funds is. They'll finance pretty much anything if they think they can benefit. This leads to an inefficient allocation of capital. On the other hand, since profit and loss sharing rewards financiers proportionally to outcomes, they care more about these outcomes. As a result, the most promising ideas get funded first. Lousy ideas don't get funded at all. Number five, emancipating the slaves. Interest can trap individuals in debt, leading to a cycle of poverty and one could argue servitude. Yes. Slavery is still alive and well today. It's the slavery of those trapped in indebtedness to their lenders. In fact, in some aspects, indebtedness is worse than slavery. 
At least with slavery, the owner had to provide the slave with shelter, food, and health care. Lenders don't have to worry about any of these things. And yet, they are entitled to the fruits of the debtor's labor nonetheless. The prohibition of interest-bearing debt protects vulnerable members of society, particularly those in desperate or uneducated situations. Number six, moral and ethical development. When acting moral conflicts with personal interests, it becomes less likely. Defaulting on a house that has become worth less than what is owed on it is advantageous financially, but at odds with the moral imperative to pay off one's debt. Immoral behavior begets more immorality. The prohibition of interest-bearing debt and replacing it with a system that aligns the interests of the financier and the financed teaches individuals to act with empathy, fairness, and consideration for the well-being of others, and moral behavior begets more moral behavior. Number seven, prohibiting interest-bearing debt makes it harder for speculative bubbles to form. As mentioned earlier, lenders don't really care what the borrowers use the money for if they think they'll get their money back. When hype is high, people will often take out loans to buy whatever is being hyped up, which creates bubbles. Think the vast majority of crypto and Web3 projects. You'll have a harder time convincing an investor to split the profits from a scam coin investment than you will buying the scam coin with your credit card. The prohibition of Reba helps keep assets grounded in real economic values. Number eight, the prohibition encourages savings and investments. If lending for profit is allowed, people will make a business out of it. With dedicated businesses, borrowing becomes easier. Even worse, borrowing is encouraged. The lending businesses depend on it. Lenders need people who want to buy things with money they don't have, so they encourage it. The prohibition of lending for profit or interest on debt eliminates the lender's incentive to get other people into debt and forces people to save before they buy. Imagine that. What a novel idea. Number nine, the prohibition promotes transparency and honesty. When well-beings aren't aligned, as is the case with interest-bearing debt, deception becomes encouraged. Lenders who may be eyeing a borrower's collateral may obscure just how expensive their loans are. Remember the variable rate mortgages that contributed to the 2008-2009 economic crisis? Lenders made it seem like borrowers could afford their loans because they wanted to seize the collateralized homes when the borrowers inevitably defaulted. Interest-bearing loans often involve complex structures that are meant to obscure the true cost of borrowing. Prohibiting these loans promotes clear and transparent dealings. Number 10, economic stability. Debt makes people financially fragile. If someone has a lot of debt and they lose their job, their failure to make payments can make things worse for them. And perhaps they find themselves forced to take on even more debt with even more unfavorable terms. Without this undebtedness, they may have been able to cut back on their spending, dip into their savings, which they have a habit of accumulating because they aren't always borrowing money, and they could get back on their feet. 
At scale, financially brittle individuals make up financially brittle families, which make up financially brittle economies. Eliminating debt from personal, family, and corporate balance sheets reduces economic volatility and increases financial resilience. For these reasons and more, it's important for Muslims to remain steadfast in their prohibition of interest-bearing debt. No compromising. We must be brutally honest with regards to which products involve interest-bearing debt, which do not, and which try to masquerade like they don't, but they really do. Tune in as I will be reviewing more products to point out which is which. Subscribe and hit the notification bell so you'll be notified when I upload new content. Hope you found this video beneficial. If you did, leave a like. Until next time, make sure to take care of yourself. Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you all.